0: All right. Hey, welcome to four in the morning. So this is episode number three. Uh, Technically, it's going to feel more like episode two and a half, as you saw in the title. Um, This is basically what's going to be called the snooze button, right? Um, You know how when you're supposed to get up and, you know, you need to get up, but you find you just need just that really quick power nap. That's what this is going to be today. It's just going to be a quick snapshot of something or an idea and i'm basically going to try this out i think this will be a good way to really bridge the gaps in between the interviews Uh, i've got a ton of great interviews that are lined up uh in the meantime this is an opportunity for me to provide something short and sweet uh, that may not really be a fully developed idea or a concept like the longer podcast that i do but It's something that's equally as important and something that I feel like I just need to get out and get off my chest. So that's what these will be. Uh, They'll intentionally be kind of scaled down, a little less produced. After a full night's sleep, you really feel very rested and refreshed. After a snooze sleep, you get just enough to get you on your day. So um, on certain weeks, I think I'm gonna need a little bit of margin in order to do that and the best way that i found to continue to keep content out is really just to let you into the things i'm processing so for those of y'all that know me you know that i love to read i read lots of books i read a whole lot i constantly have thoughts on my mind putting things together and i really want this to be a place where um, i can get out both concepts and ideas and y'all can be the first ones to get it and y'all can Respond back and tell me, man, that was great. That was helpful. Or you can say, John, that was trash. Uh, You may just want to stick to producing the longer podcasts. and on weeks that you can't do the longer ones, uh, then just chill, right? We don't need to hear uh, every thought that you have about things that don't really matter. With that being said, I mean, it's still early, so I feel like y'all aren't going to get too offended by me continuing to thank y'all, but I just want to thank y'all. It's been a little over three weeks since we started and y'all have definitely shown up I can't thank y'all enough thanks for all the great feedback Uh, last week for the pod I did with my wife she was nervous and she hates being the center of attention so she was embarrassed y'all so whenever um, I spent the past week making a big deal about all the stuff that she did and I shared with her every comment that y'all shared with me and she hated me for it but I think deep down inside she really enjoyed it so keep it coming thanks for that I uh, So today for the snooze, I basically want to talk about something that I've talked about in the past. One of the things that I found is that just being a speaker for as long as I have been, you say the same things in a bunch of different places and you kind of lose track with not what you said, but you lose track with who you said it to. So every time you find yourself in a new conversation, you say something to the effect of, have I told you this before? Um, so if you know me or you've been introduced to me in any other way outside of this podcast, chances are you've probably heard of this somewhere or you've heard me say bits and pieces of all these things. But um, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to speak at Creative Mornings about a passion uh, that didn't necessarily relate to the Bible. Right. Most of my speaking for the course of the past uh what 11 years now has been preaching speaking from the bible and uh for the first time i got a chance for one of the first times i got a chance to come in and to speak about something that was not the bible i got a chance just to talk about insecurity and it was a good time for me to talk about my struggle with it as well as uh my introduction into being an entrepreneur in coffee and so Yeah, I just want to take some time and just share with y'all just insights from that and hopefully it'll bless you. So, yeah, this is the first episode of The Snooze. All right, uh, let's talk about insecurity. Here's the first thing that you have to know about insecurity. Um, And as I say it, you're probably going to feel it deep down in your bones. But the first thing is this, y'all. Insecurity is always a thief. Insecurity is out there and it's ready to rob and steal something from you. Um, So let me talk a little bit about my introduction into coffee. Um, I actually hated coffee until about nine years ago. Basically, throughout my life, I tended to or I tend to live my life by these rules. They are these ambiguous, arbitrary rules that I create for myself. And I just find that uh, people are less offended if you refuse their kindness, if you have some rule or principle by which you live your life, uh, because then they don't feel insulted. They just feel like, oh, here's a guy that has these rules. So I made these uh, imaginary rules for myself. Uh, don't hold me to them. I created most of them in my 20s, so I backtracked on a lot of them. But, so here are some of the, the rules that I had. right? Um, I didn't smoke, and folks would say, well, why don't you smoke? And I would say, well, because the rule that I live my life by is that I don't enjoy putting things on fire that close to my face. Um, or they'll say things like, why don't you eat salad? And I got this one from my good friend, Damon. I would say, well, um, Salad tastes like outside, and I don't like eating things that taste like outside. Well, the next one, folks would like ask if I wanna go on a hike or some stuff, and they would say, why don't you like being outside? And the rule that I have for myself was, um, I do like being outside just so long as I'm on my way to inside, right? The great utility of being outside is that it's on its way to inside. I think I stole that one from Trip. Uh, But he was the fourth one. People would say, John, why don't you like coffee? And I would say, well, because I don't believe beverages should be warm. Right. I don't drink hot liquids. Um, Warm liquid already goes by two names, uh, bathwater or soup. And I don't think either are particularly um, appetizing. Right. So those were the just rules that I had. But Nine years ago, really, I had to backtrack on rule four. Why don't you drink coffee? And the reason that I had to backtrack on rule four was that um, as a 27-year-old pastor, I was working these late nights and early mornings. We started this program where I would teach at the church, but people would come in at 5.30 a.m. on Wednesday, so I'd have to be up at 4.30 a.m. just to get there on time. On weeks that I procrastinated, I have to be up even earlier and what made things worse was that the night before my wife and I were doing premarital counseling with a couple. And so long story short, coffee, I started to drink it out of necessity. Um my wife made some Folgers crystals that my mom and dad left at the crib. And my addiction started then. But like anything else that I get involved in, one of the things that you have to know about me is that um, all it takes is just a little bit of a taste or a gateway, and then I dive full on in, right? So then coffee started to become an obsession and a passion, and it was this new interest. And almost immediately, what I found is that uh, my introduction into coffee fostered yet another insecurity, Um often as a minority in America or just a black man in the US, what you find uh, is that you find a new interest. And every time you walk through the front door of an interest, you are greeted with insecurity. Signs are pictures that say you are not supposed to be there, right? Every school that I've gone to from the time that I've been in the first grade. I've been one of the only black kids in my class. And you know that feeling on the first day of class, you walk in and it just feels like I'm not supposed to be here. And that's what coffee felt like for me. So here's what it looked like. Starting in 2012, I got a chance to travel um, the country, really, getting a chance to speak. And so what I would do was every place that I would Touch down, I would tweet and say, where's the best coffee shops? And here's what I found. Um, every time I walked through the front door of an interest of a shop, my old friend insecurity was there to rob me of that joy, right? Uh, here's why. Every coffee shop felt like every school I ever attended. I was one of the only black kids in the class. So I'd go into the shop and my introduction was always the same. And if you've ever been to a coffee shop, you know the introduction. Um, you're greeted by this uh, this this handsome bearded white dude with a flannel that's unbuttoned to like the fourth button, right? He's showing way too much chest hair and cleavage. Uh, he's got these two tight pants on, rolled up boots. There's no trees in sight, but he's got an ax in one hand and a latte in the next, right? Like, you know that picture. That's the picture that comes into your mind when you think of coffee. And I'd walk in and everywhere I went to, that's what I saw. And insecurity had me feeling like I didn't belong. Every shop I went into felt like I stepped on a golf course and I was just playing a white man's game. And I almost quit. That's what insecurity does. It convinces you that forfeit is better than failure. It convinces you that you should just quit. Um, and so I almost quit until I did a little more digging and I went a little further into the past. And I just said, Yo, surely there's gotta be somebody that looks like me that's involved in this world. And I dug and dug and dug until I got to the center of the world, what it felt like. And I went way back to the origin story of coffee, how it was discovered. And I was blown away because I found out, wait a minute, I was just trying to find somebody that was involved in it. And I had no clue that people that looked like me invented it, right? Coffee is a thing that was first discovered by Africans, It was a real discovery, right? Not a Christopher Columbus one where you find somebody else's country and write your name on the top and turn it in. Uh, This was a true discovery. All right, here's what takes place. A Ethiopian shepherd notices his goats are bouncing off the walls after they eat this cherry. And he realizes that he can take the pit of this cherry, roast it, grind it, turn it into a drink, right? Caffeine, coffee. And the crazy thing is he had no clue that in terms of daily global consumption, coffee would come second only to water. But on the flip side, he also didn't really have a clue that uh, his face would be forgotten, even though the drink's pigment reflected his own. And for me, it was really seeing pictures of history like this that got me into coffee. Uh, What once was just a drink of necessity turned into this uh, ode to my ancestors. And after learning the history and seeing the current realities of coffee, I couldn't unsee it. I felt like I was hooked. And every cup that I drank or watched somebody else drink felt like uh, people were consuming purpose and a lot of people were ignorant of what they were ingesting. And so I really, out of this sense of burden, went on a mission to, yo, know, people got to know. I was frustrated and I was mad and I asked, right, why, why is this not front and center, right? Why do I have to be the one to dig around to learn about all of this? Right, I, I, I bet a bunch of y'all didn't know that. I bet y'all are Google and fact-checking right now. Um, that's the thing about insecurity. It's a thief. Because I didn't see myself in the current pictures of representatives of coffee. I assumed that I didn't have a place. And I didn't realize uh, that if it weren't for people that looked like me, there wouldn't be a such thing as coffee tables. People would call them something else like tea tables and nobody wants to read a tea table book, right? Um, I sat back and I realized that, yo, there's a heritage and a history behind something that I thought that I didn't have any place in. And if we let insecurity have its day, then what'll take place is you and I are gonna be convinced that forfeit um, is better than failure. And that's just not the case. That's not how I wanted to live. And that's not how I want you to live. So hear me. Insecurity is a thief. And I just don't want you to be unprepared, right? Um, Insecurities like the home alone thieves, right? The very first time you see home alone, you're surprised that they would be the ones that robbed the house. After you've seen it a million times like I have, as soon as you see Joe Pesci flash that smile, you know that he's coming to try to take something that's not his. And so I want you to be like young Macaulay Culkin Kevin McAllister and know that regardless of what you do, regardless of what you want to be involved in, um, insecurity is coming for you. It is a thief. It's going to convince you forfeit is better than failure, that you should just give up. And I don't want you to give up. Uh, I want you to instead spend your time looking for pictures of people like you that have already been involved in the spaces that you're scared to go into, and if you can't find any pictures, then here's what you need to do. Uh, What you need to do is create that picture so that somebody else that comes up after you is never going to feel like they don't belong. Insecurity is always a thief. Insecurity is a thief. That's one. Uh, Here's the rest of this coffee journey. Um, And that's this point one. Insecurity is a thief. It's always a thief. But I want you to hear this too. Um, Geography is never an accident. Geography is never an accident. Um, Let me give you a little story about MARTA, our train system in Atlanta. Um, In 2009, I moved to Atlanta from Texas with a group of folks to help plant and pastor a church. Planting a church, all that means is moved here with a group of folks to help start a church. Um, In an attempt to learn the city, one of the things that I did was I parked my little Ford Explorer at the house that my wife and I were renting at the time, and I decided that I was gonna spend the next two months and ride MARTA everywhere so I could get a chance to learn the Siri, uh, so that I could get a chance to learn the city. Um, horrible experience, terribly inefficient, um, horrible experience, terribly inefficient. Uh, but one of the things that I found is it is crazy how much you notice on a journey when you're not really concerned about the destination. Um, so I would ride the train from South to North, from North to South. And, a. And it was this interesting sociological experiment that's true to this day. If you ever come to Atlanta, ride the train, and you're gonna see the same thing. Uh, You'll see two things. The first thing that you'll see is this. Um, As you ride from south to north, the inside of the train changes, right? So the further that you go north, the more black and brown people get off of the train and the more white people get on the train. So as you go from south to north, Uh, the racial dynamics of the train completely flip-flop. But it's not just the inside of the train that changes, the outside of the train changes too, right? So as you go from south to north with each stop that you go north, um, the economic conditions improve. So literally, black and brown people were literally getting off the train before they could take advantage of or enjoy the economic conditions in their city. Uh, It's wild. So I bring all of that up because as I've been in coffee for the past few years, what I found is that if you take the steps of the coffee supply chain and you overlay it with the Marta stops, what you find is the exact same thing takes place, right? So here's what I mean. Coffee grows where black and brown people grow right? So it grows along the equator, primarily in Africa, Central and South America. In the supply chain, the first stop are the farmers, the people that own the land, the black and brown folks that spend their time cultivating the soil, doing the hard work in the sun to grow and harvest the cherries that produce the coffee. Well, then the very next stop after that are the washing stations. And then it moves to exporting, to importing, to retailing, uh, to, to roasting, to retailing, all the way up to the $18 bag that you'll buy in the store. What you find is that as soon as that train leaves from the farmers to the washing station, uh, things change hand, the process starts to begin. And that train uh, gets less and less black and brown. In other words, if you take the steps in the coffee supply chain and overlay it with the Marta train stops, the exact same phenomenon happens. As the train moves up through farming to harvesting to washing to exporting to importing to roasting to retailing, uh, black and brown people tend to get off the train before they take advantage of the economic opportunities that surround them. Uh, coffee grows where black and brown people grow, sitting on land and producing. Hear this. The second most consumed beverage globally, right? It, it, it goes, you know, water gets the gold medal, coffee gets the silver, and Coca-Cola gets the bronze. Um, and what you find is that, look, the economic impact of coffee on the U.S. in 2015 was $225 billion for a little bit of context. That's 28 times what the NBA brings in and the people who start that process are cut out of the ability to make money almost as soon as that train moves to the next stop. Almost immediately, they're cut out of that process. So the $18 bag that you buy in the store has left black and brown folks a long time ago. And here's what I mean that geography is never an accident because it's not just coffee, right? The crazy thing is I've I've told that story a hundred times. And every time I tell it, somebody says, wait a minute, that's just like tech or that's just like marketing or that's just like athletics or that's just like sports or that's just like the way that things are done in the world. Geography is never an accident. Here's how that plays out in Atlanta. In the 1930s, and there's a map online that you can find, um, Atlanta was redlined and all that that was was Communities that were primarily made up of black and brown folks were outlined in red and uh, the banks refused to loan money to those communities in the way that they did to communities that weren't full of black black and brown folks, right? So um, being able to get a loan from the bank in order to buy a house was the normal way people built wealth in the US. And what banks would do is they would loan money to white families in white communities, and they wouldn't do the same thing to black families in black communities. So here's what took place, right? Uh, It's not just that they wouldn't loan money to black folks, but they would actually run highways through communities like that. So the West End, the community that I live in right now, has I-20 running right through it that splits the community that I live in. If you take the redlining map of the 1930s and you overlay it with the census data from 2010, what you find is that the demographic makeup is exactly the same, right? And here's why this is important. I want y'all to hear this, especially as we live in a world where Um, There are still people that are denying the reality of systemic racism. Um, Everybody that had a hand in drawing the redlining map in the 1930s is dead now. But that's the thing about inventors, right? When you are an inventor of something, good or bad, inventions tend to outlive their inventors. And inventions tend to soar to heights that the inventors never thought that they would. Right. Alexander Graham Bell, he's dead and gone, but he never would have imagined in a million years that the telephone that he made uh, would be the iPhone that you're hearing this podcast on. Right. That's that's what it. Does where you have an invention and an intention. You don't need the inventor alive to carry on the intention. Um, And racism is the exact same way. You don't need racists to be alive in a well and to move that stream. Once the snowball is rolling downhill, it doesn't need any help to create an avalanche. And that economic and geographic breakdown of our city today can be traced back to the 1930s where people realized geography is never an accident. Um, It's always intentional. security piece comes back in right here's how both of these tied together you know so you think of a city like portland which is the coffee capital of the united states right the the pacific northwest is a place where if you're trying to find the axe wielding uh flannel wearing cleavage showing barista with the two tight pants on rolled up and the boots, chances are you're going to find him and a bunch of his cousins um, out in Portland. Uh, And you're not going to find a bunch of people that look like me in Portland. And hear this. It's not just because black people don't like Portland. It's because geography was never an accident. So hear this. uh, Portland was part of the North. So in 1859, Although Portland joined the Union and said, we want to fight against slavery, we are against it in all of its forms, Portland also in the same breath said, "Uh, yeah, we don't think that black people should be slaves, but we also don't think that black people should live in Oregon. And it wasn't until 1922 that those laws were pulled back and black people could finally own land in Portland. Do you, do you see what I mean? Right? So you go to Portland and you think of coffee and you will see a bunch of not me's there. And it's not because black people don't have a place in coffee. It's because geography is never an accident. It happens according to plan. And you may sit back now and say, well, John, I hear you bringing all this stuff up. Maybe it's just a coincidence. Right. And I would say maybe, or what I think we have to sit back and say, um, here's what I think folks are trying to get across when they bring up the concept of privilege. Uh, it's really this, uh, Privilege is when um, all the good coincidences, coincide. I don't know the plural, privilege is where every good coincidence seems to work out in your favor and none of the good coincidences work out in my favor. So it's, wait a minute, in the Appalachians, they deal with drugs and opioids, and it's a health crisis, but in traditionally black and brown communities, they deal with crack, and now it's not a health crisis. We need to have a war on drugs. It's all of these things that the more that you start to realize geography's not an accident, then we start to look at geographies. We look at suburbs and inner city communities and low income housing. And we realize that saying those terms, um, aren't just objective terms saying those terms are very loaded terms. Insecurity is always a thief y'all. It's going to convince you that you don't belong in a place. That's not true. Geography is never an accident. Uh, geography is going to convince you that, uh, The chips have just fallen where they may, and that's not the truth, right? The chips have been placed where they were. Uh, So how do those two things fit together? Um, Here's the last thing that I'm just gonna share about insecurity and give a little bit of background about why we got into coffee. Um, Insecurity can be evicted, and it should be evicted, right? That was really the heartbeat behind why a bunch of black families wanted to start a black coffee shop in a black community, because we want to change the picture that comes to people's mind when they think of specialty coffee. Um, A picture is really worth a thousand words. And unfortunately, thousands of words have painted a picture of history that's photoshopped a group of us. Out And so all we're trying to do is to reclaim the space that was already ours. Case in point, um, I was sharing about our shop to somebody on the phone yesterday. And her first response was the same first response that I always get when I talk about opening up a coffee shop in a community like ours. Folks will say things like, well, do you really think that that'll work? Or, is that just for the gentrified folks? And I think people say that because there's a picture that comes to their mind when they think of coffee. And the words that I said were this, all right, in the community that I live in, uh, on my way to work at the church back when, before the global pandemic, and I actually left my house to do things, um, I drive by a Krispy Kreme, a McDonald's, and a Dunkin' Donuts on my way to the church. And do you know what I see? in the morning, I see all of those places packed with people that are buying everything from a dollar coffee to $4 on a fancy cup of caramel frap or whatever they sell at Dunkin'. And I know that you see those too. The question is why didn't those people come to your mind when you thought about a coffee shop in a community And I would think it's largely because there's been a picture of coffee that's been painted um, that has left out folks that look like us and isn't even true to the people that actually consume coffee. So that's what we're trying to do with portrait. We're trying to present a place where the little black and brown boys and girls at Brown Middle School can look and see people that look like them. Uh, creating a thriving industry in the community that they're a part of. And they could realize that, yo, it's actually people like us that have a competitive advantage when it comes to a market as saturated as coffee. We're in the process of trying to build a successful coffee brand. And it started with six people who had diverse experience, a group text, and a story. And we said, yo, I think we can tell this story in a way where we can highlight the ways geography um, has not happened on accident. We can show that insecurity is there, but it shouldn't be there, and hear this, and we can conquer insecurity. And I want you to hear this, the way we conquer insecurity is the way you conquer a mountain. You don't conquer a mountain by tearing it down so that you can stand on top of the rubble. You conquer a mountain by scaling it, climbing up to the top, planting your flag so that people that are on the ground that look up and say there's no way anybody could do that, see a flag up top, and they say, somebody had to have planted that flag up top. It can be done. So if it can be done, why not us? And that's all we're trying to do. Today, y'all, insecurity is a thief. It's going to try to rob you of living in your purpose. Um, And I want y'all to know, y'all, that doesn't have to be the case. Insecurity doesn't have to rob you of your purpose. It's always a thief. You know it's coming. Be prepared for it. Get the encouragement that you need. Um, yeah, that's the thought for the day. That's the snooze for the day. If you want to find out more about Portrait and what we're trying to do with that, uh, you can check out our Instagram, Portrait Coffee ATL. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, although we don't have much more there. Um, and if your grandparents want to know more about Portrait, uh, we also have a Facebook account for them. So uh, I love y'all. I'm grateful. Y'all stay tuned next week as we continue with our regularly scheduled program. All right, peace.